0: Game Devs. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest. I'm your host, Taylor. We're going to do a design pattern episode. So this is our second episode of... Design patterns, we're going to talk about the observer pattern. Um, Before we get into that, I want to shout out, we got a new review. (laughs) It's been forever. Uh, So RPG Fan gave us a nice review. Two good dudes, two thumbs up. Says, Rhett and Taylor consistently deliver quality content without skipping a beat. Following two starting game devs and their journey, I love tuning in every week. Thanks. Keep it up. Grats on episode 100. Always keeping it 100. (laughs) So thank you very much, RPG fan. Appreciate the review. It means a lot. It honestly made my day that day when I saw that. So thank you. Alright, so let's get into the weeds here. First, I want to remind you guys I'm following the Head First Design Patterns book, uh, which is a book by O'Reilly. Uh, they focus on the Java programming language to discuss, I think, 13 design patterns. And we're on number two, which is the observer pattern. Another couple of resources I use consistently for this, we have Christopher Elkrabi's series on YouTube about design patterns. He's also going through this book. There's also Derek Banas, who I don't think he's following this book necessarily, but he goes through all the same design patterns and he uses Java, so you can see his implementation. Christopher's are much more theoretical and Derek's are hands-on. So that's pretty cool there's also gameprogrammingpatterns.com last time i did the strategy pattern there wasn't an article for that pattern in game programming patterns but there was for observer pattern and he uses c plus uh, as kind of a template so uh, interesting to get different perspectives in different programming languages now the observer pattern is kind of interesting Honestly, I'm a little bit nervous about this because it's a fairly straightforward and simple pattern that is prolific across lots of different programming languages. Most object-oriented programming languages nowadays have some type of implementation themselves that do the observer pattern because it's such a common pattern that you would run into. So I want to talk a little bit about c implementation of the Observer Pattern. They use events and delegates to kind of make it easier on developers to use the Observer Pattern. But this book, uh, like I said, uses Java. And they go through the Java's implementation of the Observer Pattern. And they basically say, like, you might as well use your own implementation of it. One because it's so easy to implement and the built-in one just doesn't fit all the needs that you might have. So what I'm going to do is first go over just generally what the observer pattern is, how to accomplish it by building your own pattern. And then I'll talk a little bit about events and delegates. Also want to remind you this book has a couple things that it likes to remind you of throughout reading it It talks about object-oriented principles and if you remember from the last episode on design patterns those three principles that they gave us already were encapsulate what varies favor composition over inheritance talked a lot about composition with the strategy pattern so if you missed that go back to episode i think 97 we talk a lot about composition over inheritance and Program to interfaces, not implementations. With the observer pattern, we will use some interfaces. So we're hitting that bullet point. And then the new one that they introduced this time was strive for loosely coupled design pattern or designs between objects that interact. So this is kind of the the key to why you would use the observer pattern. It takes away some of the coupling that you would have without using it. And I'll get into that. First off, what the observer pattern basically does is you can kind of think of it as like a, a newspaper. And they give this example uh, in other sites and in this book. So you have the company that produces the newspaper, right? In the observer pattern, that's oftentimes called the subject. And some languages like to call it the observable. So subject basically has some properties that other objects want to see. So for instance, in the case of like a newspaper or something, they're going to have news stories uh, or like an issue or something that comes out maybe once a week or whatever. And then there are observers, which all they really do is they get the news. They get an update about the subject. And so there's this the pattern is basically about one source and lots of other subscribers. So for instance, they say in this book, the observer pattern defines a one-to-many relationship between objects. So that relationship is the subject is the one, the subscribers are the many. So the observable the the observable is the one. And the observers are the many so this basically decouples your code so that you don't have to have specific calls to different objects in your uh, in your observable it makes it more generic so that you know well so going back a ways when i was working on the logging game if you guys remember one of the key problems that i had was i was checking the position of my player every single frame to determine what displays on the UI. So I had all these buttons, basically, that would either be enabled or disabled based off of where the player was. And the problem here was that my code was very tightly coupled, and I had to look at every single button, every single frame, and say, okay, if the player is on a tree tile, enable this button, disable this button, enable this button, disable this button. You know, very specifically. Which was really hard to keep track of. Like, uh, I wanted to introduce a new button, and that meant that every time I did that, I'd have to dig through my code and add a new call to that new button, pass in a new object to this one class, and Specifically, call out and enable or disable. Whereas, if I would have just used the observer pattern, I could have used kind of this subscriber method that said, okay, the player's state has changed. He's on a new tile. Notify all the buttons and then let them deal with whether or not they're enabled or disabled. I wouldn't have to check every single frame (laughs) to see if those buttons should be enabled or disabled. And I wouldn't have to specifically tell each button one by one what you know what happened i could just blast out a notification to every single button that was subscribed to the player's observable and then they would handle the rest of it so that's a key uh there's a one-to-many relationship and it also decouples code that's that's kind of the some of the keys of the observer pattern. Um, So like I said, we're going to be using interfaces here for the subject or the observable. Those are kind of synonyms here. And the observer or subscriber. You see those terms used interchangeably. So the observable, it has a couple methods that it needs to have. You're basically, well, first it's going to have one property that's like an array or a list or just kind of a collection of observers it needs to hold that because it needs to go through and be able to alert all of those observers when a state has changed so it's going to have something like that that's not going to live in the interface the interface is just going to have some method stubs so it's going to have an add observer method stub and typically you'll see this include you'll have a method it'll be like add observer parentheses and then it'll have like observer o or something because you'll actually pass in the observer object into the observers method and into the observables method and add it to a list or something you'll also have a delete observer method and this is basically like the add and delete are basically like subscribe and unsubscribe. So if you imagine you're subscribing to a paper, a newspaper, when you want to subscribe, they'll, the newspaper will call add observer. You'll get passed into that and then get added to some collection that the newspaper is keeping track of. And then when you unsubscribe, you'll again get passed into that delete observer method on the observable class or object and it'll remove you from that collection of observers that it keeps track of. And then the other method that it's going to have is notify observers. And this is basically all it's going to do is it's going to loop through all of the observers and it's going to call some method on them that tells them, "Hey, my state has changed." And we'll talk a little bit about how that might differ depending on how you design your own observer pattern because there's there's a concept of pushing and pulling. Um, sometimes you might just want to tell all of your observers that something changed. other times you might want to actually pass in data so that they know what exactly changed and i'm I'm still sort of wrapping my head around when you might want to use that. it seems like it it is more common to use what they call the push method and you basically like pass an object as arguments to all of your observers and or pass like a parameter some sort of string or state to all the observers so that they then know how to kind of deal with you know what type of change actually occurred but that's that's the observable interface you have add delete notify And then on the observer interface you're just going to have one method and it's going to be update. So every class that implements an observer interface has to have an update method. And it has to have that because the observable calls that when it notifies all of its observers. So those are the interfaces. If we go back to our newspaper example you're basically going to have, like I said, you'll have a list of like subscribers in the concrete implementation. Maybe you'll have some sort of type of issue or something, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or something. And that's like a state that you can then pass to your observers. But your ad observer is just going to take in an argument for the observer and add it to your list of observers. Your delete is going to take in an argument to remove, and then it's going to basically loop through uh, and find that specific observer in the list of observers, and it's going to remove it from that collection. And then the notification or notify observers is going to do like a for each, and it'll loop through every single observer in the list of observers and call the update method on them. Then on the observer side, it's just going to have, well, so the observer side is actually a little bit weird. Most implementations of this that I've seen actually have an instance of the observable of the subject inside of the observer, which is a little bit counterintuitive because we talked about loose coupling, but they seem to, in this book, not have a problem with it. (laughs) And Basically the reason that you'll do that is first off, you need to be able to have a way to subscribe and unsubscribe from the observable. So for instance, a lot of implementations will have a private member variable, there you go, that is the observ- the observable. And then in its constructor of the observer, you'll pass in a concrete observable object And it'll just store kind of a local copy of that inside of the observer. And then basically, you'll be able to then, on creation, call like, you know, add observer and pass itself in to be added to the observables list, if that makes any sense. But it also, you can use it in the update method to kind of see what state has changed and act upon that. But ultimately outside of doing that you're going to just have the update method where the observable calls that and then you'll have some sort of logic that you know tells you what to do tells the observer what to do with it yeah so for instance uh going back to my example of my logging game i kind of like came up with a a a new example of that sort of situation where i have a subject which is basically a class that holds player state and an observer, which is just some type of UI. And inside of that UI, it's gonna hold the player state object and a string that has the player state. And basically the update will get the player state from the player state observable. And then it's gonna change, it's gonna call a method called display. This is inside the observer. So then it's going to just basically in the display method, it's going to check for different types of player states. So maybe the player state is that the player is attacking or the player is defending or harvesting or something. And then based off of those those states, like I said, it could change the buttons around. Or in this case, I just did console.writelines where it shows what type of menus are coming up. So basically, the update method is going to depend on your use case. But it's going to get some sort of information about the observable, and then it's going to act upon that with its own implementation, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's essentially the observer pattern. It's fairly simple. There's just a couple of methods, basically, and, and you have to just define a relationship between an observable and an observer. and and kind of go from there. Now, it gets a little bit fuzzy um, for me after that. I, I feel like I fully understand how the base observer pattern works. When you start getting into specific use cases, like when you should push and when you should pull, um, I'm not really sure on that. I'm also not really sure still how events and delegates wrap into this. But I want to talk a little bit about my understanding of events and delegates to kind of help, especially because a lot of people in the community use c and they use Unity. I spent, you know, a year and a half working in Unity and only use an event and delegate one time. <laughs> and this observer pattern is, like I said, it's prolific. It's everywhere. So I think it's good to take the time to dig into events and delegates and learn how they work especially if you're going to get into .NET programming. So let me just talk a little bit about how those work. Essentially, you need to kind of understand what a delegate is first before you get into events, I think. And that's because delegates, in a, in a sense, are kind of a contract that an event must follow. Both of those are keywords in c They're all lowercase. Delegates, you typically define sort of on the same level of like a class. What I mean by that is just like in terms of scope, you would be on the same level as like, you know, public class and then whatever you would say like public delegate, blah, 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 blah. And all it really is is basically a method signature. It is telling other methods how, like if they want to use a particular delegate, they have to have that same exact signature. So, for instance, you know, a method signature is going to have its access modifier, you know, public, private, protected, whatever else. It's going to have a return type, void, float, int, a specific type of object. It's going to have a name, and then it's going to have parameters. So, this RB Whitaker article that i've read like a dozen times about delegates they use a math example so they're going to create a math delegate and it's going to take a float and two floats it's going to have float a float b and basically that just says every type of math method that could be used with this delegate has to return a float and it has to have two parameters that are also floats so kind of just like Like I said, it's kind of like a contract. It forces methods that will be used with this delegate to have the same information, the same return type, same parameters. Now, that's important because events basically will be created with a type of delegate, and that just kind of secures what information is needed to use that particular type of event. And this is why it's like challenging to describe because it's getting on sort of a generic level that's a bit abstract. But I think if you, I'm going to go through some of these R.B. Whitaker examples to, to sort of demonstrate it. And I think if you read a little bit about it, you'll understand. The hard part for me is knowing when is a good time to use a delegate in an event. But the, the whole point of delegates and events is basically it's just an easier way for you to Use the observer pattern with C#. There's also other cool stuff you can do with it, like you can basically pass in a method as a parameter to another method in C# using a delegate, which is cool. Yeah, well let me let me just go over this R. B. Whitaker delegate stuff. So, like I said, you declare a, a delegate, it's public delegate float math delegate, and then it takes a float a and a float b. Now, basically, you'll have a series of other methods that use that same signature. So, for instance, you have public static float add, which takes a float A, float B. And then that method, all it does is return A plus B. Another one, you could have subtract, public static float subtract, float A, float B, return A minus B. So, the first one just adds two numbers together and gives you the, the result of that. The second one, subtract, just, you know, takes the difference of two numbers and gives you the result of that. You could do lots of other stuff. You know, you could do, I don't divides or multiplies. Uh, They also, they show power here. So public static float power float base number float exponent, then return float math dot pow base number comma exponent. So it's following this pattern of these method signatures. And then when you actually use this delegate, it can kind of hot swap these different methods in and out. So then when you try to use the delegate inside of like your main method or something, you're going to have, remember the delegate's called math delegate. So we're going to declare a math delegate type, which again is just kind of like a function pointer. Math delegate, we're going to call it math operation, and then we'll say equals, and then the name of a method. So in this case, add. If you were to then do like a console dot line and call the name of the, del- the the name of your delegate type remember we called it math operation and pass in two numbers so math operation five and three or something we write write that out and we're using add it's gonna console.writeline line eight out <laughs> uh, if we do then if we say Uh, math operation equals subtract and we say math operation parentheses 5 comma 3 and console right line that out it's going to come back with 2. We could swap it back to power you know 5 we'll say math operation 5 comma 2 and then we get 25 back. So it's just a way of swapping in and out different methods depending on your situation. So then after you've defined all these methods that follow the method signature of a delegate, then you can have, you know, like a switch case and check to see what math operation you're currently using. And, you know, based off of whether you're doing add, subtract, like maybe a good one might be, let's say you're, you're using divide and one of your parameters that you're storing is zero. Well, if it's divide, you can't divide by zero. So you're going to, check for that and you know maybe you'll swap to a different math operation or something. But that's just kind of the foundation of of how events will work. A delegate, like I said, is just a function pointer that kind of is a contract for a method signature. I encourage you to kind of dig in, read this article from RB Whitaker, it's really good. And then you'll jump into events. And events are kinda of, really the observer pattern in c sharp. Basically, it's going to be a type of delegate. You're going to give an event a type of delegate, which just says it's going to have a method signature that you expect. And then you can add, you can subscribe different methods to that event. So like I said, it's a one-to-many relationship with the observer pattern. So you can add lots of different methods to an event handler or to an event and then it's going to just fire off all those anytime it's called so they give this example on the rb whitaker site where basically you'll have a class that's a point just a point in space that has an x and a y value and then it's going to have an event inside of that class they're calling it uh, public event and then C sharp has a bunch of built in delegates that you can use for events. One of the ba- most base ones is event handler. And you'll see that the event handler basically just takes, um, the event handler has two parameters and this is defined by some delegate basically, and those two parameters are an object sender and another thing called event args. So you can give it the sender and you can give it the, Arguments from uh, that you want to send to whatever method is firing off when the event is fired, and this kind of goes back to the like the idea of pushing, like I was talking about the observer pattern. So the uh, event handler delegate or type basically is just going to pass some information to its observer, basically, and so it's using C# events are basically using that push idea that I was talking about before so like i said this class it's a point has an x y value and then inside of that it's going to have an event handler it's going to have an event called point changed and basically anytime uh, those values get set it's going to do it's going to fire this event and do something else so in the setter for your x and y uh you know typically you'll have like a get return x return y thing and then you'll have set at x equals value y equals value they actually fire off the event in that set method as well so anytime somebody changes the value of a point it fires off an event to notify a bunch of other functions that do something else right so the that on point change is going to be a method that first it's going to check your event hand or your event to make sure that it has subscribers if it doesn't have subscribers and it tries to do something it's going to throw an error so it's going to check if that's null and if it's not then it's going to basically call itself point changed past those parameters that we talked about with the object sender so in this case it's this and then you know some sort of event arguments and then all of the things that are subscribed to that event, all of the methods that have been added to that event are going to fire. So in this example, they only have one one method called handle point changed. But maybe, maybe you have a whole bunch of different things that are dependent on that, that need to be updated whenever the points change. Like you have a bunch of different displays that like maybe from different angles or something that all need to update that one particular point. And so each of those displays will be added as observers to this event and those will all get fired off and update at the same time and only when the point changes not like every frame checking for it. So based off of how they set that up all all that has to happen is in the main method you're going to create a point 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 equals new point and then inside the object you're going to change its event you're going to add some some observers some subscribers so they have the handle point changed method that gets subscribed to it they're going to have you know maybe like display one display two display three all get added to the point change and i don't know if i said this already but the way that you add uh the way that you subscribe to an event is just by using the plus equals sign so for instance our point just called point point dot point change that's our event plus equals then the name of the method so handle point changed or handle display one so point dot point changed plus equals handle display one point dot point changed plus equals handle display two etc and then if you want to remove a, an observer from that event or that, a subscriber from that event you just use minus equals uh, point dot point change minus equals, you know maybe display three gets taken offline. So point dot point change minus equals display three, and then whenever that event is fired, just by using uh, point dot x equals seven, just by using that because of how we rigged it up in the class, it fires off the event, and now display three doesn't doesn't get updated because it's no longer a subscriber. It's not observing the event or the the observable <laughs> so i told you at the beginning that like i said i kind of get lost in the weeds on this it's not as complicated as it sounds it's just a little bit convoluted and gets into some sort of abstract concepts but really if you just think about the observer pattern as being kind of like you know like when you subscribe to our podcast our podcast is the observable, and everyone who has subscribed is an observer, then when our RSS feed gets updated when we post a new episode, all of our subscribers get notified. That is basically the gist of the observer pattern. It decouples code. It makes it more efficient so that you don't have to, like, check all the time what's going on. Like, it's not... The observers are no longer... It's no longer their responsibility to check in on the object that they want to know about. They just sit and wait until they hear from the that object that something has changed and then they go from there. So that's that's kind of the gist of it. I would recommend checking out uh, I see I went through a bunch of these resources just trying to make sure I was prepared. I would check out the RB Whitaker his tutorials on his website i'll have those linked in the show notes about events and delegates there's an another couple ones about the c-sharp implementation of the observer pattern and then also like honestly christopher akravi if you had to just watch one video if you're trying to get the high level concepts he does a really good job of describing the observer pattern and so i'd highly recommend his his video and then if you want concrete implementation examples and everything check out the Derek Banis video uh, that's also really good yeah so I hope I did not confuse you I kind of confused myself a little bit while I was studying it and while I've been talking about it today I'm kind of upset too because I was planning on doing this last Monday I studied all Sunday night trying to prepare and then I <laughs> then I got sick and I couldn't talk so now I feel a little less prepared but I want this to continue. I want to keep learning about different design patterns. I feel like I have the gist of this. So we're on to chapter three in our book, Head First Design Patterns, uh, which is decorating objects. And I don't really know much about that. So I'll hit you back up in the next couple of weeks, probably with what I've learned from that. And we'll go from there. Uh, If you have any questions about it, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Game Devs Quest join the discord bitly forward slash gdq discord and uh you know let me know if you have any questions about it honestly there's people in our our discord that know a lot more about all of these things i've had manbeard games describe uh events and delegates to me at least like three times and (laughs) have never been able to fully grasp them but um, if you get into .net programming and start You know doing non game dev related stuff you'll you'll see events and delegates all the time so definitely check those out yeah otherwise i think that's it for this week Rhett and i like we said we're going to be working on some some rebranding stuff the podcast is going to change slightly you may not hear episodes of him and i together as often because of some of these new time constraints that we're having it's harder to get together and that's why we've had some episodes come out on fridays lately but uh, we're trying to work through it. We want to stay, stay active, stay inspired, keep working on stuff. So we'll uh, we'll keep going every week. Otherwise, thanks, guys. Keep on programming. We'll see you next week.